What's going on, everyone? Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, your neighborhood normal guy with the Lazy Eye. I appreciate you spending an hour here with me today to talk to a way cooler person than myself. So without further ado, let's get to today's show. Before we get into today's episode, I do want to just say a big, big thanks to everyone that tuned in to the first episode. I was just absolutely blown away by the support, by the comments, by the amount of people that tuned in. So really, thanks to all of you guys for sharing this, for you know telling about it to your friends, your family, your coworkers, the the nice reviews that you guys left, um, the nice comments that you shared with me. So this all wouldn't be possible without you all. So a big, big thanks to you guys. Um, so without further ado, today's episode I thought would be a perfect time to bring on our next guest. Um, if you're following along in college athletics and in the world today, in the news today, you may be aware that basically as we know it, college football has been canceled for the season of 2020 and the fall of 2020. And it's it's absolutely heartbreaking to see these conferences decide this, but it's more heartbreaking to see the athletes and how it affects them, right? As a former athlete myself, as a former student athlete, I, there's so much preparation that goes into these seasons just from the minute that you leave campus to go home for the summer. And then to see all that hard work be basically, you know, taken away from you, ripped away from you is it's truly heartbreaking. So I thought this next guest was perfect to tell his story because he has an interesting perspective on this, right? Um, This next guest I met at Providence college and I've met some incredible people there. Uh, But I think, our next guest is really on that Mount Rushmore of people that I met at Providence College. And I'm talking about Garrett Gomez. So Garrett was a hockey player on the team from 2015 to 2019. And in his sophomore season, something happened to him in which he did not have the ability to carry on his, with his career. And what he did with his scenario and what he did with his career makes you really believe in that the fact that there is life after sports. And I think what these college athletes are going through today, I can't even fathom or even compare it to anything that I've, I've dealt with. But I think hearing this story from Garrett, hearing this perspective from him can really be and really serve as an eye opening um, story to, to kind of really embrace because he speaks from it, not only from an athlete's perspective, but a human perspective, right? There is life after your sport and there is a chapter to be written after you decide to hang up the cleats, hang up the goggles, whatever it may be. So without further ado, I'm really excited to share this interview with you all. Here is my dear friend, Garrett Gomez. Garrett, how are things going? It's been a while since we've caught up. How, how are things been? Uh, things have been going great, man. I appreciate you for having me on the show. And uh, no, things have been going really well. I've uh, had a, a small venture over to Foxborough, Massachusetts uh, after graduating from PC. So um hasn't been, you know, too too long of a distance drive and <laughs> definitely had a, a few things go on since then. But overall, I'm doing great. Yeah, you, you have had a few things going on <laughs> since uh, since graduation. You got married I did. Um, right after graduation, and you just celebrated your one-year anniversary in yeah. quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was that experience like? Take me through, take oh, me through man. Your, first, uh, your first anniversary in quarantine. We, uh, we actually decided um, to go to Rhode Island because more, uh, more places were open there. We ended up going to Newport and went down on the cliff walk and um, had a good time together out there, had some lunch out there and stuff, and then decided to come back here. Um, and we, we, because it's quarantine, you can't really do too much. We we got some takeout from one of our favorite restaurants over here in Foxborough and then yeah. uh, went through a lot of our wedding footage and wedding photos, uh, you know, danced together in the living room to oh, our wedding songs it. and stuff. So, yeah, it was a nice night given the fact that, you know, there was limited things to do. So it was awesome. For sure. I mean, and at least you got the wedding ceremony last year, right? I feel like a lot of yeah. people right now are kind of kind of struggling with that. Oh, yeah. Most, I've heard of a lot of friends that have had, you know, weddings either postponed or canceled or they decided just to have a really small intimate wedding and they're going to have like yeah. a you know, reception during some other time. But uh, yeah. and our wedding was awesome as well. It's definitely a, a quick transition from graduating college to running out to Nebraska and getting married. But um, that was an, an incredible time. And, uh, you know, not only a, a good time to be able to spend 
together and obviously a big decision for your life but i had a yeah. lot of you know a lot of the coast guys that were with me on the hockey team they made it out there as well and stuff like that so it was yeah it was a blast oh yeah i saw pictures i, I saw ryan and, and Vinny out there <laughs> yeah. they, they, they looked like they had a, they probably had more of a better time than you did oh my gosh those guys yeah we had a great group of guys out there it was it was an absolute blast Awesome. Awesome. I love it. And, and you told me earlier that both your, your mom and your wife are nurses right now. Yes. So, yes. I mean, have they told you any wild stories kind of, <laughs> the front lines of, of, of uh, the coronavirus? Like what's, well, what's going I mean, on in their day to day? I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they're in labor and delivery. Both of them are. So, um, you know, they definitely have a, uh, not as much of a impact on them in regards to COVID as, you know, being in the ER would, but, uh, they've definitely, uh, you know, both experienced some, uh, some stuff that was not not crazily scary, um, but definitely concerning given the, uh, you know, how COVID-19 was, uh, you know, hurting a lot of people. And in some cases, I think the biggest, craziest thing was, you know, some people would have it and they would be totally fine. And then other people who they saw, you know, more so had it were had the, you know, the tougher end of it. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we're getting through it still. And as, as time has gone on, they're definitely seeing a lot less cases, which has been, um, you know, very beneficial for not only the hospital in our country, but obviously just for, you know, Abigail's peace of mind and my mom's peace of mind as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't even imagine having a baby right now during yeah. all this. I bet those yeah. moms are just like stressed yeah, out. You, you know, it's tough. I know you, you hear a lot of the, a lot of the cases, sorry, I'm not sitting outside. So you just hear a big old motorcycle <laughs> you know, you're by, good. but um, <laughs> like a lot of, it, it, you hear a lot of the cases of, you know, people passing away because, um, you know, with, without being able to see family, maybe like the one loved one, like a husband or a, or a spouse. And fortunately enough, um, Abigail and my mom never got to experience um, something like that. And I'm so fortunate that that didn't happen. Um, but it's even sad hearing that, you know, husbands and husbands couldn't even be up there when their wives were delivering babies because, you know, they're just trying to take the, the right safety, you know, measures to keep everybody safe. Yeah, um, I mean, how many times do you get to see that miracle of life happen? You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, it, it's funny we're talking. Like a first time father, I feel like. Oh, like, I know. I ha- you have to see something like that. Yeah, exactly. It's funny we're talking about this. Abigail, one of Abigail's sisters actually had a baby today. Uh, oh, so Abigail, Abigail's been on the phone with her whole family talking about it and stuff like that. And she actually had it at the uh, at the hospital that uh, Abigail used to work at when she was living in Nebraska. So um yeah staying connected with all of her friends even even in, in nebraska still at that hospital has definitely been beneficial for some of her family members like her sister but uh but yeah overall um my mom and abigail didn't really see um you know the tra- trauma a lot that yeah. other people were facing in the hospitals and i'm definitely very thankful that they're they're both safe and healthy that's great that's great to hear yeah i mean all at this point all you can hope for is is health and happiness right that's, that's awesome but so you know before before providence before you know nebraska before before meeting your wife you know you and i have some some something in common right we are two kids from southern california and we decided to make the trek to the east coast so growing up in chino hills in, in socal was hockey like always in your family or like were you playing other sports i mean just from my experience like the guys, you know, you t- hockey was like the last sport you tried. Yeah. Like either it was like either the last sport you tried, or it was like dad coached hockey, dad played hockey, right? And everyone played hockey. So what? Like, right. was how did you get into hockey from Chino Hills? Yeah, so I, um, my dad actually was a surfer. My dad grew up uh, <laughs> close. My dad grew up in Garden Grove, so close okay. to Huntington Beach, and yeah. uh, surfed his entire life. Uh, my mom played soccer. Um, and then as my dad, uh, grew up, I think he became more of a fan of hockey, uh, like watching as the Kings started doing well and stuff like that. Um, and then at one point in his, my dad works construction at one point in his career, he was, uh, getting a big, he's, my dad's a big guy. He's like six, three, <laughs> like 250 pounds. Wow. And, uh, during this time he started getting a little like heavy and, um, wasn't like surfing it much anymore. And one of his coworkers happened to play roller hockey at like a local hockey rink in like a, a club. Mm-hmm. and um he had told my dad hey you want to come and hang out with me and and, and and come play some roller hockey my dad's like sure why not i'll try it <laughs> um and i was probably uh like three two or three during this time um while this was all playing out my dad had like gotten me a, a small pair of skates and like I, I, I was skating but not really like you know just just skating recreation yeah yeah um and as i continued to watch my dad my dad actually put me into a uh, small like league that was in the same place same rink that he was playing at 
Um, and I happened to just be really good at it. And it just kind of kicked off from there. And that, ever since I was like three years old, I think I played, played T-ball um, for one year. And it was, I got frustrated because it was boring, um, <laughs> according to what my mom told, I told my mom. Um, and so really hockey was all that it was. And um, being from California, obviously, a lot of the competition that you play is either like Minnesota, Chicago, Boston. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I traveled out here before, yeah. um, even being out here in, for Providence. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so things kind of took off. And um when i was about 12 years old was when my parents like finally realized like, okay like he actually is a good player and he has a legit chance of like becoming successful at this so um my parents sacrificed a lot and you know and dedicated a lot of money towards uh you know helping me travel and stuff like that and it definitely uh, panned out yeah i i was gonna say there's there's definitely especially when you get to the level like the, the division one level or you know kind of the similar realm that we were in I feel like there's always a point in your your young career that you realize, okay, like this is this could be something bigger. Right. Like this could be like we like maybe we can take this to the next level. And mm-hmm. I think there's definitely a lot to be said about the sacrifices parents make mm-hmm. before that. I think I think you have to credit most of your success at least early oh. on to like what your parents did. But was it like was there like a, a like a, a day or like a week or like I don't even know like a moment in your career early on where you're like, okay guys, like I think this is gonna be something big or like even your parents yeah. were like, sitting you down at the dinner table like Garrett, like maybe we should take hockey seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I uh there definitely was. Um when I was about fourteen, I knew that like I was um getting some scout attention, but it was more like minorly um and as i turned about scout as in like people kind of recruit you to go play like yeah. junior hockey yeah um for the people listening that don't really know much about hockey so before we um before we play college we play junior hockey it's kids the age of 16 to 21 is the range that you can play in mm-hmm. um it's all one league so you could be 16 playing against a 21 year old um which could be very like intimidating a full-grown adult versus yeah. like a kid who maybe just finished puberty yeah exactly so there's definitely some uh, age discrepancy in there but um if if once you um hit a certain point uh of skill level i would say where you're dominating the uh, the area that you're playing junior hockey is really the way to go because it really combines all of like the best players at that certain age group, you know, yeah. regardless of what league you play. And there's really three tiers um, to junior hockey. The number the number one tier is called the United States Hockey League, and most of all of the teams are uh, scattered across um, uh, central United States, so from, like, Nebraska all the way to Ohio, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was 16 years old, I happened to have a very, very good year. Um that that year uh about mid- beginning of the year um they have a league within when i was playing um youth hockey in california they have a, a league called the tier one elite league and basically what it was was a bunch of different club organizations that were very successful and they created this league to kind of compete against each other um and so we would travel once a month i would either go to minnesota boston chicago st louis arizona california obviously and you would travel to play different teams. Um, and within this league, there's a lot of like college scouts. And this is where you really start to get, be, you know, start to see if you're going to be legit or not. Yeah. Um, and I fortunately had a very good season. I was, I think I was like third in scoring in the, in the, in the league. And um, at the end of that year, um, I had discussions with a few agents and decided to go with a, a different agent or a certain agency um, to be my advisor. And from there, kind of the floodgates, floodgates kind of opened. My, but end of the season, I did really well. Yeah. Um, and when I was 16, I had, I think it was probably four or five different full ride offers um, from different colleges. And so it's very blessed and very fortunate. And uh, at that point, I knew, okay, you know, maybe the beginning of that season when I started talking to different agencies and stuff, yeah. like that, I knew that, like, okay, this is going to be something where I'm going to go. Um, hopefully, to the NHL. Obviously, the story background is a little bit different now. Uh, that it's played yeah. out but um but yeah that's where it really opened up and then from there um you know i went at that same year i actually uh, got drafted in the first round um eighth overall to the tri-city storm for the united states hockey league and then wow. ended up making the the team my first year so it was when i turned uh so my senior year i actually uh lived in nebraska so i graduated high school officially from nebraska not california yeah, yeah um, i was gonna get to that <laughs> i want yeah i want to so i mean 
yeah. So you you went you you went and you play your junior hockey in Nebraska, the Tri City right. the storm you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, what was that transition like? <laughs> well, I mean, I I could I could talk. We could talk all day about my yeah. transition from from Southern California high school. I mean, like born and bred right. SoCal kid to Providence. But like you even made a pit stop before then. You went to Nebraska. <laughs> what like were they like asking you all different questions? What was that like? Yeah, you know, it was. I always tell people the story when my dad. So my dad and I drove up there because I wanted to bring a car with me. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're driving down the highway, and we're about like fifty miles out from Kearney, um, which is the, the city that Tri City Storm is in. Yeah, a small city, um, about right in the middle. It's actually the pinpoint of the middle of the United States. Fun fact about Kearney, Nebraska. Uh, but it is in, <laughs> yeah, but it is in beyond the town itself. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. We're driving down about 50 miles away from the town and we're trying to turn the, through the radio stations to like, like find the pop music, you know, or country music, something we're like, so we're flipping through, we hear a bunch of country stations and the next thing you know, we flip through and it's like this auction and we're trying to listen to it and it's, it's a feedlot <laughs> auction. So they're auctioning all these cows off and it's like on the main radio station. And my, I look at my dad, I'm like, where am I going? Like, what am I getting into? Um, and, and as we pulled up, you know, the, the city is about, I think today, probably about 35,000 people. So it's definitely a decent sized city. Um, there's a university there as well and stuff like that. But um, overall, it was definitely a culture shock. People are, are a lot um, more genuine, I would say, a lot nicer. Uh, a Careful. lot more humble. No, yeah, you know. You're 100% right. You're 100%. And, you know, and from California and even out here, um, yeah. they definitely all three have their different different cultures. Um, I really enjoyed it. Matter of fact, I'm more of that laid back, like plain type of person. Um, so, just vanilla. Yeah, just I'm vanilla. very vanilla. Yeah, <laughs> black and white. And so I actually really enjoyed it. It definitely doesn't have the amenities that, amenities that you know, California or Boston bring. Just, you just don't have it. Like, no their beach. fun is, yeah, like, you don't got a beach. Like, you got a few lakes. So, you know, their fun is, like, you know, shooting guns, you know, shoot, going hunting. Yeah. Um, you know, they do, like, a lot of the guys, they do something called um, detasseling where they're, like, their summer jobs, like, all the, every summer long is, like, um, pollinating corn and, like, pulling off, like, the heads of corn to, like, pollinate the corn. I mean, it's a completely different atmosphere. But I yeah. absolutely loved it. It was a great time. And I think – being in that age group, being away from your family and kind of like being around a team where all these guys are from all different areas and you're kind of joined together in this city and usually these small cities and you're getting like 2,000 to like 4,000 people coming to watch your games at, you know, 16, 17 years old. That's a great experience. Yeah, I was going to say like I felt I – mean, especially you could see in those smaller towns – uh, the the atmosphere especially when there's no major sports team I mean, there's right. no, I mean you have you have you know the big red you have Lincoln Nebraska the, the, right. the big football team but like I feel like those smaller towns if they can have something to hold on to even if it is yeah. a junior hockey league like some like I, I watched the the Broncos documentary when all that happened but the the atmosphere of that, that small town yeah. hockey league it's it, it kind of gets it gets kind of rowdy oh it it does I remember um we would have some games, especially in Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls had a, a beautiful arena. It sat probably about 10,000 people. And there yeah. were a couple of games we played there. We played there in the playoffs, actually. It was actually my last my last two games in the USHL were, were there. And uh, it was a playoff game, and it was almost sold out. I mean, there was a good 8,000 people there. And it was incre- It was one of the biggest crowds I think I've, I've ever played in in regards yeah. to an, an arena. Um, so yeah, they, some of those towns, they definitely draw tons of people. And some of those kids, like, depending on how good you are, how good the team is, like you become like celebrities in the town, which is pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Definitely <laughs> like a little local celebrity, definitely not an LA celebrity, but no, a local yeah, celebrity no nonetheless. <laughs> but so, you know, before you, uh, so when you get to PC, yeah. so did you feel like the, the California kid with all these kind of East coasters, did you, did you feel like, like, I mean, I know like the guys knew, I feel like the, in the, especially in the junior hockey league, like you, everyone knows everybody. Right. Like, did you have a feeling like, did you feel like an outcaster coming from California and Nebraska, or like was it more mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I already know these guys. Like I know yeah. Tate was Tate was right. playing in Nebraska from a California. Yep. So like, was it what was that kind of transition? Exactly. Like? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a mixture because um, you know something that's different from college is like not all guys are coming from the the USHL or United States Hockey League, the league that like I and Tate played in. Like some guys are coming from the British Columbia Hockey League. There's a bunch of different leagues that guys are coming from. Um, overall, I think once you once you kind of get used to the whole mentality of like meeting guys from everywhere, like I did in junior hockey, going to college right. was just kind of like doing that all over again. Um, it definitely made it easier having 
Tate there, and I knew Hayden Hockey because Ryan Tate and Hayden Hockey played on uh, a team in Omaha, Nebraska, in the United States Hockey League. So I played against them all the time. Was very familiar with those guys. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't as tough. Uh, you know, I guess transitioning from like living in a house in junior hockey to like now a, a do- one dorm room with four other guys and you know all this <laughs> stuff is like a bit different. But um, overall, that was a, a pretty easy transition. Yeah, I could say like my transition was a little bit different. You know, I didn't right. have that kind of um, that scenario. Like I, I felt like an outcast. I, yeah. had, I had teammates from like all the same area. Right. Like they all knew each other's best times. They all knew for, like they all swam against each other. And I was like, okay, no one knows who I am. Everyone thinks I'm this like California weirdo. <laughs> right. Right. I <laughs> think that's hippie. definitely like I probably drive like a, a Prius. And... <laughs> No, I hear. I think that's definitely one of the things. Like a lot of the one of the one of the things that the culture at PC, like a lot of the the students that are there, um, they're from either like New Jersey, Connecticut, Boston, or Rhode Island. Those are like yeah. you, know, you, you don't even hear... the athletes too for like the majority. Yep. I would say like a good sixty percent. I mean, right. obviously you had athletes from uh, you know all over the world and, and from all different right. areas, but I felt like if you boiled down to it, it was like sixty percent or so up in that like northeast east coast. Totally, yeah, definitely on the depending on the sports too. Because if you were to like think, of, I, I think of like for for instance, hockey is probably a little bit more diverse. Um, I'm not right. sure about basketball. I know they do have some local guys, maybe some guys further away as well. Uh, yeah. Track 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 and field is more further away. I know they have some Europeans on there as well. Oh, but yeah. then you get into like swimming or soccer or lacrosse there's a lot more local uh local athletes playing on those teams for sure i mean i they that they had then they had their parents coming to the games and i was like but if, i was like if my dad could <laughs> like one meet i was like yes right and then I, and then there was so much pressure on that one meet i was like yep. it was, at the end of the day it was a dual meet and i was like jerry white like don't get in your head and right, then, but i was right. like my dad's here to see me like i have to do good yeah <laughs> totally man totally all right, so so let's get into it, right? Your sophomore season, um, a wild, wild story, and I I kind of want to give you the floor, but I'll, I'll kind of like I'll preface it for the audience with this, right? It's your sophomore season. You know, you, you had a great freshman season. You know, definitely you're playing a lot of games, doing a lot of stuff. Sophomore season, hockey East quarterfinals, middle of the game, you collapse on the side of the bench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you take me through like what you remember, or maybe even yeah. like what your teammates have recounted to you? I I remember hearing some things from like Tate and Hockey, like on yeah. what actually happened, and yeah. it blew my mind. It blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, man, it was it was crazy. Um, I uh, you know just like anything, you're going into the playoffs. We're playing against Notre Dame. Um, it was a I think a three game series. Um, and it was all played there on the on those weekends. So best two of three. Yeah. Um, played Friday night, and during our fi- Friday game, um, I had felt like some weird vibrations in my chest, but like nothing like out of the ordinary. Maybe I was just thinking nerves, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, played the game, nothing happened. Went to sleep that night. Woke up the next day. We ended up losing that game. Um, so coming into the next game, just trying to get ready. Obviously, it was like crucial because if we lost this game, we weren't making it to the Hockey East tournament. Right. Um, and so. We, while warming up before the game, I was kind of having those same symptoms. Um, again, like not thinking anything serious would ever happen, especially being the playoffs. It's like, you know, I think with anybody, if it's the playoffs, so regardless of what sport it, sport it is, you're going to be pushing yourself the hardest, you know, regardless of what symptoms you're feeling. And, um, and so I went out there and uh, I think it was about halfway through the first period or a little bit later uh, in, the, in the first period, um, I had gotten gone out for a shift uh it was a long shift i was very winded um one of my teammates had gotten a penalty uh while i was out there um so once i like, thank team- god no, yeah I, so, so i i get i get back to the bench before our team actually touched the puck because they had uh notre dame had i think pulled their goalie and so they had the kind of like a six six on five because they don't blow the whistle until we touch the puck right and so i was back in the bench recovering and um i was absolutely gassed and i was feeling those vibrations like a bit harder and uh, next thing you know, we end up touching the puck, the whistle blows, and um, now we're on the penalty kill, and I happen to be one of the guys that was on the, like, the penalty, kill, pen- penalty kill unit for our team. Mm-hmm. And my coach had called myself and Brian Penno out to you know, call the penalty first. And um, I was still a bit winded. I had caught in my breath about halfway. Yeah. Um, and I got out on, on, onto the rink, and I was standing on, the, on the, the face-off dot, and all of a sudden I just felt like, 
really lightheaded and I was feeling like these vibrations in my chest like going like really, really fast. And I'm like, what is going on? And I was like, like halfway in and out of like passing out, but like being fine. So I was just praying, like, you're not going to like go skate to the ref and be like, Hey, can you pause the game? Like I got this, like, you know, unless you're like, collapsing, it was just, yeah, it was, it was just weird. And, yeah, exactly. So and he would have just looked at me like, are you kidding me? So especially in hockey, they're gonna be like, get right, out of here. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like praying that Brian Pino wins the puck back and our defenseman just clears it really quick, which ended up happening. Um, as I got back to the bench, the uh, the symptoms were happening. They were getting stronger and stronger, and I was kind of like leaning on the bench with like my arm on the bench and my head like resting on my arm. And mm-hmm. I had turned over to Jake Wallman, who was sitting to the left of me, and I was yelling at him to get to our, get our trainer. And um, what I didn't know at this time as I was fading in and out of consciousness was our trainer was actually in the back room because one of our other teammates had separated his shoulder. Oh my God. And so my buddy is telling – Jake Wallman is telling me, no, no, you're going to be all right. Like just you just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. And he didn't know what happened to me. He thought I got hit or something and I got like the wind knocked out of me by the way that I was reacting. Yeah. And I just go, no, get Sid. Sid was our trainer. Yeah. And by, as, as I'm yelling, get Sid, I happened to completely pass out uh, and collapse onto the bench and fell back. And um, in the middle of like passing out here, all of my teammates are, you know, screaming like to stop the game, stop the game. And like Jake Wellman jumps on the ice and he's like, you literally yelling at the ref to stop the game. I just remember, I don't remember any of this. Yeah. I just, I just remember waking up. And Vinny DeArnais, because he's so tall, I see him like looking like into my eyes, and I like I look at him, and I just like jump up, jolt to my feet. Um, going through my mind, then I was like, oh, like what is going on? Um, I knew that something had happened because why would I be waking up, staring up at the ceiling? Right. Uh, you know, and I got up quickly. I, my dad always told me when I was my dad was a very uh, my dad wasn't tough on me, but he he made me a tough kid, right. and he was always like if you're ever injured and you're laying on the ice and I have to come out there to help you, you better be seriously injured because like we don't have, we're not wimps in our family, you know? Um, of course that's, and, the, that's the one thing know, going through your head. Like, I literally, you literally just pass out and you're like, Oh my God, my dad's going to kill me. Right I'm, like, now. No, I'm like, I'm like, get up. Like in my mind, I'm like, you got to get up. You got to get up. So I just jump up on my feet and then it was like, I was fine. Like I, I felt like I could, I, like I was just taking a nap. And so they, um, fortunately enough, it was at Notre Dame where they had a lot of good doctor personnel. The EMTs were there and everything. Right. They rushed me in one of the back back rooms, um, took off my gear and put an EKG monitor on me and found out that my heartbeat was like very abnormal. Yeah. So they sent me to the hospital in Notre Dame. Um, and then they stabilized me overnight. And the next day I ended up flying back to Providence where I yeah. met some more doctors with some additional testing. Yeah. So you know, take me, take me through kind of like you said in a video that you did for friars.com after all this had happened, that mm-hmm. this was kind of the best case scenario given the circumstance. Yeah. I, I, personally, like I'm, I'm watching this, I'm watching this unfold. I'm watching this whole thing happen. And I'm like, here's this guy, his parents, like, I, I don't know, were your parents at the game? No, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother. So my, um, so believe it or not, one of the families that I lived with when I was living in uh, Nebraska, um, yeah. they happened to move locally to uh, Illinois and I had, I had reached out to them and said, Hey, I'm going to be playing, you know, in South Bend, Indiana, it's like about a two hour drive. Like, would you be willing to come to the game or would you like to? And they're like 100%. So they were at the game. They saw me collapse and they were able to like talk back and forth to my parents as well as go to the hospital to visit me. And your dad's um, like, is you he know? really hurt or is he just faking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, the scary, that, that game, the scary thing for my family was that game was on NBC sports yeah, and was, my oh, parents. Yeah my parents had a huge party at my house. So like a bunch of my family members were there watching and then they hear that I collapse and they're like, you know, thousands of miles away and they're panicking. But it was like, it was, I was so fortunate to have my billet family there um, because they were able to connect with my family and, and everything and make sure that I was all right and that they were going to be, you know, talked to and comforted as well. So. Yeah. And, and then, you know, another unsung hero that we, we can't forget is Bob Driscoll. Yeah. Shout out to the best athletic director out there. Yeah. <laughs> He was there through the through the whole thing. Yeah, was he like he yeah. in ambulance and everything or what, yeah, what was he that was like? he was incredible. So um, I after after I was put in the ambulance, um, they were trying to figure out like who was going to go with me. Someone had to go with me, um, and there was a lot of personnel there. Given that it was a big weekend, um, they had like I think we actually had our own production crew there uh, filming yeah. the weekend. Mike Leonard was there that weekend. He's actually the one that had captured captured a lot of the film of um that day before i had ever collapsed he had no clue like he uh actually lives in illinois 
And so he just thought, oh, it would be cool to go out here and just capture some film for Providence College, like being an alumni and everything, and like all yeah. of this stuff ended up It'll happening. It'll be in the season highlights. Yeah, you know, there were so <laughs> many things that I honestly say it was just an act of God of how everything played out. Um, but Mr. Driscoll actually took it upon himself to say, no, I'll go with Garrett. He left the game early, came with me, literally sat in my hospital room until uh, someone would get there, which was like till 9 or 10 at night. Um, and just following the score on, on Twitter and just kind of hanging out with me and making sure that I was taken care of. And, um, the guy is just an incredible, an incredible person. And one of the reasons why PC athletics is so successful and where it is today. It really is. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know any athletic director that would do something like that, especially, especially during like a playoff game, right? Exactly. A lot riding on it. Yeah. I mean, hockey had always been, I, I, I would say up there with the basketball success that we have. And right. like, I know Mr. Driscoll takes a lot of pride in that. So, I mean, for him to kind of drop everything and go was definitely something uh, really, really uh, inspirational, I think. I mean, yeah. really something to look up to. And, and especially if you want to get into that kind of field, something to definitely look towards. Totally. But um, so, you know, after the hospital and, and everything, were you, when were you able to come back to school? Yeah. So I, I came back to school um honestly right away i i came back i i did some testing with some doctors i was actually um even though i had collapsed i still wanted to play because we were we ended up making um about a, i think it was i took one week off about a week and a half later we made the ncaa tournament we were playing against harvard yeah. um and i was trying to play and so i was actually during that time uh after taking a week off i got back on the ice uh got back to practice was practicing um, while I was also doing some additional testing with some doctors uh, in Providence. Yeah. Um, one was like, uh, they call it a halter monitor. You wear it on your chest for about uh, 24 hours. You bring it back in, they, re- they look at the recording of it. And then I had a, a cardiac MRI done. Um, and I, was, I think it was a couple days before our game actually with Harvard. I was pulled into the, into the doctors. And I found out that um, I had tons of inflammation, excuse me, tons of inflammation all around my chest, around my heart. Um, and I had some scarring in my heart. And then I, additionally, I had, um, the doctor was saying about two to 3000 extra heartbeats in a day. Um, wow. and so, and so after we found this stuff out, um, I was kind of shut down. I obviously wasn't able to play against Harvard and I was sent to, um, some doctors at, at mass general in Boston, um, that specialized in the, the different things that are different arrhythmias that I was having. Um, they call it electro, they're electrophysiology doctors. So they study the electrical impulses of your heart. Um, and, uh, so I, for the next seven months or uh, four to no, five to six months, I did, uh, tons of testing with doctors, um, from stress tests and bike, different bike tests. I did the VO2 test, I think like five times or four times that summer. Yeah. Um, I did, they try They try to do a cardiac ablation where they actually go through your main artery in your leg. Um, and they try, they actually pulse your heart while you're completely awake and they have complete control of your heart and they're actually trying to create the arrhythmia to happen. Uh, right. sometimes they can create the arrhythmia to happen and then see where it is. Um, and they can carterize a little part of your heart, which will basically allow the electrical impulses to flow properly again. Wow. Um, unfortunately that was negative. And then I had a few other cardiac MRIs. Um, and at the end of it, uh, in like August, August 7th of 2017, yeah. Yep. Um, was uh, a few days before that I actually had, because it was during the summer, I had flown out to Boston to do some tests. They were like the last tests we were going to do. Based on those results, the doctor was kind of going to give me the information of what he thought I should do um, and then go from there. Yeah. And uh, I ended up getting that call on August 7th, and he basically told me that um, the, the inflammation had gotten better, but I still had uh, a bit of scarring in my heart. And because that because they didn't know exactly what was pinpointing why I was having these arrhythmias, that by playing again, I would be risking my life. And um, you know, that was something for me to decide if I wanted to play again, but he, he just wanted to make sure that I knew you know, what was going on and what were the, the possibilities of different things happening. And um, that's the day that I actually ended up retiring. So, you know, it was uh, extremely tough for myself. I think especially, I think as we all know, in, in any sport you want to play, if, as long as, you know, especially if you're playing it, this is your thing. You know, this has brought you to where you, who you are, what you are. It's like part of your identity. Exactly. And now, you know, it's been taken away, not because you had to, you know, you willingly wanted to retire, but just because you now have a medical problem that you're facing that, you know, could literally kill you if you, you know, if, if it happens again. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, especially a condition like a heart condition, I think, like, especially at a young age, like, I mean, you were 21, 22, right? right? But I mean, just like, I'm in my peak condition, like, I'm in my peak, like, I am so healthy, like, I've been working out twice a day, four hours a day, and you're telling me, like, I have a heart of an 80-year-old, like, on the ice, like, are you kidding me? Like, Like, but I think you said something really important, and, like, like, a lot of athletes, that are in a position like yours that you were in the first instinct obviously is I want to come back. I need to come back. I got to play. Like you took a week off after <laughs> collapsing on the ice. And your first instinct was, I mean, yeah, you guys made the tournament. Like, obviously like I, I want to be back. Like if you guys, right. the tournament, but what, what in your head was like, or when was it kind of like, I need to take a step back. I really need mm-hmm. to realize like that this is going to be like something that could alter the rest of my life. Like what right. was that internal battle like in your head? Yeah, you know, it was tough. I think, um, like, for me personally, it wasn't, although it was an extremely hard decision, it was a very, like, simple decision to make at the yeah. same time. Um, and I think a lot of things played in the role of that. One, I was in college, and I was doing well in school, so I knew that I could have a future beyond hockey and whatever that was. Um, two, like, just family support made it a lot of, you know, very easy, knowing, like, I have a crazy amazing family in california i actually uh proposed to my wife that same summer so like you know oh by the way uh, let's propose but i'm gonna go play hockey and risk my life you know it was yeah. just like it was just like a lot of she things. probably would have said no yeah yeah exactly she would have like all right you can take this ring back you yeah. know you know but like i think a, a lot of things when you when you look at life in in a, a much grander scale than just the game of hockey, you know, and um, I know we're going to talk about you know life after hockey, but um, just really looking at it into that aspect, like you know, although um, hockey has been, I felt like it's been my life my whole life. Like yeah. hockey is just one avenue that I get to, you know, I, I have a strong faith, and so I think like, hockey for me was an avenue that I got to. Um, to, to share my faith and to have a platform on, you know, and, uh, to really, to really help grow as a person. And it had, it had blessed me with so many different things, a full ride scholarship. Like I can go back and talk about how actually I was before committing to Providence, I was committed to the university of Denver on a full ride. And, um, you know, and I ended up not being able to get into Denver because my grades were so bad in high school. And so I had to retake the ACT score a bunch of times to even get into Providence. I had horrible grades in high school. Um, one of the reasons why I took my one of the reasons why I took my grades so my my uh, my classes so seriously when I was at Providence, and I'm like, you know what? I'm so fortunate and so thankful yeah. that I even have a full ride, um, and that I'm able to get into a great school like this. Like, I'm not going to take one one thing for granted. And by that, like, you know, if it wasn't for that experience that I had being decommitted from Denver, I would have never taken my grades seriously like I did in Providence, and I would never have the opportunities I am I am having now, even after collapsing. You know, and like, I didn't know of these things. God knew of these things. So I always remind myself, like, regardless of what's happening in my life, like there's someone above me that knows my life and my plans and he's going to set things in place that I'm going to help learn and it's going to help mold me into the person he wants me to be. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of played in the role of me retiring. Um, But I think overall, just looking at life in a grander scale and realizing that through whatever we have a passion for, there's something even deeper than that. Um, for me, that deeper meaning meant uh, a life honoring honoring God and whatever I did. And so it wasn't like I didn't feel, although I felt like I was losing a big part of me in regards to hockey was so such a massive part of my life. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'd rather lose hockey than literally lose my life, you right. know. And, and and so it was it was really just that. And and then over the course of it, I mean, I still was a part of PC. They still one of the amazing things on top of that, they still honored my full ride even after I couldn't play. Um, and so I, I had that, I was still with the team for the next two years. Um, you know, so I was still in that environment that made it very helpful as well. Yeah. So yeah, kind of going back to that, right? Like, you know, you made the decision to retire, you came back, you you had a conversation with coach Lehman, your head coach, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was very, I mean, kind of right to it. Like it was like, no, no questions asked. Like you're going to be in the meetings. You're going to be on the, yeah. on the, on the ice. I was going to say the sidelines with like, the, <laughs> the sidelines. Uh, <laughs> but you're going to be, you know, on the ice with the guys, you're going to be coaching. Like, yeah. uh, you know, in the span of one summer, you mm-hmm. go from Garrett, the teammate in the trenches, you know, 
you none of you have teeth and you know all of you <laughs> lose your teeth and now you're you know you're Garrett the assistant coach and you're a junior at that right so right. and you had you had guys above you you're right. you definitely older than you what was that transition like going from putting all your focus in I need to become a better player for my team to now I need to focus on my team so that they can become better players right yeah I uh you know we had such a an amazing coaching staff uh, at Providence um where I knew the guys were definitely taken care of in regards to telling them what they needed to do on the ice in regards to x's and o's and everything like that so I really took it upon myself to um just try to help guys in areas where maybe I personally given the fact that I've played under coach Lehman and I'm also now like not like not coinciding with Lehman but but being on the staff in which way that I can still like help out and help guys uh, you know with their experience you know relating back to my own um, and so a lot of the a lot of the things that I would do were like just very minor things just talking about you know guys plays or if they were in a drought talking them through the drought or you know if they're having a if they're, if they're not playing as much as they did when they were playing junior hockey and now you know yeah, a lot of the things guys are really good coming out of the USHL. They're top line guys, and then you go into college hockey, and it's like boom, you're getting hitting, hitting your face again because these guys have been here for so many years, and now you're back on like the fourth line and just adjusting yeah. to that, you know? Yeah. Um, so just no, trying to definitely, yeah, I know. think definitely like that that aspect of like you were just in that position, right? If there's anyone that can speak to what that experience is like, it's the guy who literally was in it last season. <laughs> you know, like I feel like a lot of times like players can get up up in arms about like oh this like he's my coach and he's like he's 50 years old like how like <laughs> hockey's so different now or whatever sport it is, you right. know, like what does he know now? But like I think definitely like having that backbone of like you having that ability to be like yep I was literally in that position months ago so right yeah exactly hey man i'm here for you like i see what you're doing on the ice here are a few things that i think you could do to like you know that, to improve your game or like if you want me to stay on the ice and pass you pucks or whatever like i'm more than right. willing to do that you know so kind of having having that like more mentor role than i would say like coaching role but yeah. it was definitely something that i felt you know helped some certain guys on the team for sure definitely and so you know you really were able to turn that negative and I don't even know if you want to call it a negative, but kind of ending your career short is, is certainly something that wasn't in the cards, you know, wasn't in the plans right, right. early on. But you you turn that negative into a positive in in finishing out your degree. You excelled in your grades. You excelled in the coaching aspect. What kind of advice do you have for athletes, you know, in a similar position that you know have a lot riding on their success in athletics? You know, they, you know, they have a D one scholarship, or they, you know, they're the cream of the crop. And they something like this happens, and they don't have that anymore. What like, what kind of advice do you have? Like, where do you take it from after injury or after something like a career-ending injury? Yeah, number one, just to let them know that there's other people out there that are going through the same thing that they're going through, um, and that they will be able to go through it is a is a is a big thing. Um, for me, like I, one thing I struggled with was just like, okay, how am I like? It's it's like you're living a whole new life. Like for like now. Uh, I can't even, I'm supposed to keep my heart rate under 170 to 175 beats per minute, even when I'm working out. So beyond even like, beyond just not being able to play hockey, like my whole life is adjusted. I'm now on medications that I take every single day to lower my heart rate. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was tough for me to adjust to this, like this new life that I felt like wasn't even my life to live anymore because I just had all of these different changes. Um, and so number one, like know that there's people that are going through the same thing that you that you've gone through. Um, try to search out and, and and find those people that so you can get support. If you can't find people, like surround yourself with good people that are help like there to help you get through things. Um, and also know that you've got so much more to live in life, and this is just a stepping stone to build your platform to help influence other people or in, and even even more people in in a different manner. And just because your life, you know, isn't going the way that you thought it should have been um, doesn't mean that your life is any any less um, important or any, right. any less impactful. I think one of the things that I felt, um, you know, my dream was to play professional hockey and I knew that I had a good chance of doing it. And when this got taken away from me, I'm like, OK, like, what is my platform now? I'm just like this kid that goes to school, like I happen to collapse, <laughs> you know, and like I made it through it. Um, but what I've realized is if I hadn't gone through what I had, what I went through, um, there's no way that I'd be able to speak to you now on this platform and say what I've gone through. You know, there's no, there's no way I've been able to, I worked for FCA hockey over a summer and, 
um, I'm at a I'm at a small camp, and this family came up to me and said, "Hey, my son has a heart problem. We've been following you, and like we've been wow. praying for you, and like being able to connect with these people that like literally I would not have the platform to speak to these people and like to talk to these people if it wasn't for what I had gone through. So um, yeah, your life has so much more to more to offer, and you've got so much more life to live. So uh, don't take it as something negative. Take it as something that you can build off of and make you a better person. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head, and I think kind of this the overarching theme of this right is is there is life after your sport <laughs> i think i think when you're in the moment and and i i mean i'll be honest i was a victim of this too I, when you're in the moment like this is never gonna end right I'm in the, like i'm in the tip-top shape yeah. i like i can eat whatever i want yeah. i can do whatever i want but like you know there will come a time like i literally i remember like the last day of big east my senior year i was i was a train wreck like yeah. I, I'm a grown man. I'm falling yeah. after my last race because it's like that's it. Like they're like right. that's done. And but I think you're like the perfect example of of what life can be like after your sport because there is like, you're you're only you know you're in your 20s. You still right. have so much more to give to this world and give to this community. And you know you know going on top of that, right? So your life after hockey, yeah. right? You know you. You came in before this. You, you when you uh, when you were talking before this, you told me you were finishing up your MBA this summer, yep. and then you're gonna go work for PwC in October. Correct. Yes. So, you know, how has that transition been? I feel like you kind of had a little bit longer of a transition, but how mm-hmm. has that transition been from going from the sport, doing everything sports related, coaching, right, to yep. I'm in the real world now? Yeah, one of the biggest things that I've actually had to adjust to is just like time management in regards to like not I, I'm I feel like I'm pretty good at time management like I was a double major at PC and playing on the hockey team so I had a lot of stuff going on and was able to do it all well um, but just like I, currently right now I, I was working as a GA at Providence in fact this is my last week working as a GA and then um, doing the MBA school and then I'm also studying for the CPA exams right and so adjusting to you know just a whole different schedule i'm not going on the ice anymore i'm not like interacting with a lot of teams anymore you know i'm just kind of doing this whole different thing is yeah was a bit it was a bit different but at the same yeah. time i'm starting to enjoy it and i'm starting to get into like learning kind of how to live um like without hockey in a way I, hockey is always a part of me but just yeah, like you know going about everyday life and also like just trying to take care of myself. I think because I am so like swarmed with like different doing different things. I never like um, take time to go out about my day, go on like a jog and exercise. And so trying to get back into that regiment as well um, has been definitely a challenge or something that's new to me, but I've enjoyed it. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm learning new things. And I think uh, one of the, one of the best things that I think a lot of us athletes experience. And one of the reasons why we are kind of a prized possession in regards to employment is like our competitive nature. You know, right. and so bringing that into PwC and and uh, you know having that like continue to push me to be the best you know work employee that I can be at PwC is something that I'm definitely going to use. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with you on the on like the athlete side of things. Like mm-hmm. the competitive nature is not going to die within you. Like, right. I, I'm in a sales role now, and yeah. like that's always in my head. Like, how am I going to be better? How can I be better? How can I get my number better? And things like that. So like, I think that 100%. Like, you will never lose that competitiveness. 100%. But so I I have to ask though, are there any yeah. aspirations to return to coaching? Or is, yeah. there, is that like still <laughs> the cards or? You know, I'm like, I'm in that role. I've just like been trying to figure out like, I've always thought like, okay, what do I really want to do after, after college? Like who, like it was such a quick transition. Um, I was started off as a finance major. I took on, I added accounting because I really actually enjoyed it. Um, people think I'm crazy, but I actually, I I enjoyed it. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Like, let's start off. uh, I not let's start. I'm very fortunate that I got the opportunity to work for PwC or get the opportunity to work there. Um, but I thought this was a good starting place um to just see where and just see where i let it i'm just gonna let it take me wherever i go you know and um i always love hockey there's always that the little part of me that says like oh man if i was a coach like i would do this like i i I would love to be a coach and i mean it's it's an amazing job um i would say everything besides i mean evil even like the the time coming i know like college coaches are crazy busy during the summer or during the uh the season but during the summers it's obviously a lot laid back yeah um well, Nate won't tell you that, but yeah, besides you know. recruiting, I mean, Nate is like the hardest worker I've ever seen in regards to a college coach ever, yeah. um, or maybe a coach in general. The guy yeah. works so extremely hard, but um, 
there is a little part of me that would say, oh, I would love to, you know, get back, like get into coaching or something like that. But for now, I'm just trying to like stay focused on PwC and say, all right, let's see where this takes me. Yeah, definitely. Like dedicate it, dedicate now. Like I feel like athletes do that a lot. Like I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket right now. Yep. I know that down the line, who knows what can happen. And I mean, yeah. you're young. You got, exactly. you got so many years ahead of you. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is this is a lot of fun. I, really great to get to reconnect with you and and, and you know ha, be, have the ability to hear your story from from this angle. Uh, I know it's getting pitch black out there. Yeah, outside. I'm sorry, my background's getting all black. I'm like getting closer <laughs> to the camera. <laughs> no, but I I do have to ask last question. I yeah. I, I want to ask this for all my guests. I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, Dan Brazilian, this this like self-made millionaire, he's writing his own book and he's decided that he's going to let the fans decide the title for his book. So my question to you, if you had an autobiography, yeah. if you wrote your own book about everything that's happened in your life, what would the title be? Yeah, Garrett I've, Gomez. Yeah, I've already got it down. It's going to be called Seasons. Because in life, we go through a lot of different ups and downs, a lot of twists and turns. And we like to think that we know what our life is going to be like. And then we get an absolute U-turn and it's something else, you know. But how do you get through all of those things? And it's going to be mainly about, you know, God uh, helping me through every single every single thing I faced in my life. So, yeah, I would call it Seasons. That's awesome. I'm literally going to pre-order that book right now. <laughs> you got to get started on that because that just sounds that sounds awesome, man. Well, Garrett, again, I, I really appreciate you doing this, man. This has been a lot of fun. Let's definitely stay in touch, and uh, I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Later. Bye. So a big, big thanks to Garrett Gomez for coming on today's show and sharing more about his story. I think there really is a lot to learn from someone like Garrett, and I don't think you have to be an athlete to resonate with what he was going through. Obviously, right at the top of the hour, we talked about how college athletics and college football more specifically is getting cut uh, really in the blink of an eye from from athletes, from coaches, whoever is involved, right? And some athletes see their season end in the blink of an eye, see their careers ending so quickly. But I think even as a human being, whether you're a doctor, lawyer, business person, whatever you are in life, there are situations in which, um, you know, are not ideal and that we get dealt with that are really put us in a crappy situation. And But it's really how you respond to these uh, moments of adversity that really define you as an individual and i think garrett has really um, proven that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there is a bright future ahead of him so i wish him nothing but the best but i do want to thank you all for listening to today's episode listening along following along on this journey i'm so excited to keep this ball rolling for you all so follow me along at normal guy lazy eye i'm always open to new suggestions always happy to hear your comments uh, if you have ideas for new guests anything and everything. I'm really excited to bring on new people and hear these new stories. So with nothing else to say, I wish you all a very happy Wednesday, a great rest of your week, and I will see you all next Wednesday.